What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs, and we are your hosts from the Draft Network on this Wednesday edition of the show. Draft Dudes is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 10 bucks off your first order. Kyle, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. It's FPI Wednesday, which I'm excited about. P we teased this yesterday. What is it? P is in Paul, you know, just in case people heard FBI. FPP Football Power Index, courtesy of the ESPN.com. Not ESPN either, PN with a P. <laughs> Dude, this one time I was on the phone in a previous line of work and I had to spell something. And I was, you know, I was going, you know, B is in boy, right? Uh, and then I got to an O. <laughs> I locked up. I go O as in orangutan. <laughs> that was what you came up with. That was the like, that was the only word that I could come up with in that moment that began with O. And I just started laughing, and they started laughing. I was like, you know, look, I that was what came to my mind. What do you say? O is an orange? Like what? What is the? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, I mean that's what I would say. Would you? I would. I would choose a word that's shorter than fifteen letters. <laughs> Orangutan. I mean that. Maybe um, that's just me. Call me crazy. All right. So the FPI. Yeah, the ESPN FPI is here, and uh, this was a staple for me last year covering the Dolphins because one of the things, if you're not familiar with FPI, it's they come up with their own rankings of uh, or their their own profiles of the teams, and they do ten thousand simulations, and they do it and update it every week. Uh, so it gives you uh, perspective on you know over ten thousand simulations, who is most likely to win each game for the remainder of the season, right? And uh, doing this last year for the Dolphins when the Dolphins were tanking for Tua. Uh, they're most likely to get the number one overall pick was a very hot topic amongst Dolphins fans. And as you might imagine, with everything that the Dolphins fans do, when things start to go sideways, the sky is falling. Everything's over. Life has no meaning anymore. So watching the Dolphins go from having a 67% chance in the FPI to get the number one overall pick to ultimately picking fifth uh, was a really fun experience, but but tracking these sorts of things is made possible by FPI. Now they have win projections, playoff percentage, win your division percentage, make the divisional playoffs, conference championship, make the Super Bowl, and win the Super Bowl odds posted right now on ESPN. All right. My first takeaway here, is not necessarily anything to do with how teams stack up in terms of win-loss or anything like that. They they go through the hardest and easiest schedules, which is interesting to me because we know that strength of schedule, just going off of the previous year's record, is not helpful. It's not useful. They, you learn nothing. But this factors in the FPI, right? Like they're, how good the teams will be this year. And I found it very interesting that number two – on this hardest schedules list is the New York Jets. Well, the New York Jets finished third in the AFC East, right? The Dolphins are at 
what is it, like 12th or 13th? And they finished last in the AFC East. There's only two games. Well, I guess there's four games different on the schedules. They have to play the Jets, play the Dolphins, the Dolphins play the Jets. But it would be the difference between the third and fourth place team in the AFC North and South. That caused this much of a difference in in hardest schedule? Does that make sense to you? Uh, All right. So their strength of schedule is based off of FPI. Yes. Right? So the Dolphins are the one, two, three, four, five, sixth worst team in FPI, and the Jets are the eighth worst team in FPI. Mm Mm-hmm. So who are the two I you know what it might also does it have to do with like home and away as well? It it may, but I mean Bengals it's the difference between the Bengals and the Browns and the difference between the Jaguars and the Colts. Okay, well the Bengals are the third worst team and the Jaguars are the or the worst team in the NFL. And then the Colts are an above average team. They're in the middle of the pack, and the Browns look like they're in the top 20. But the Dolphins play those teams, and they have a, a significantly harder schedule, a less hard schedule. That's yeah, right. The, the Dolphins play the Bengals and the Jaguars as yeah. the second or third and first worst teams in football, Well, according to FPI. Good job not being third in the AFC East. Your reward is, <laughs> is the top two hardest schedule. Yeah, there's... um. The New York Giants have the fourth hardest schedule, too. Right. It's like all these teams that did not win their division. You know, like the Broncos, Jets, Raiders, Giants, Rams, Falcons. Those are your six hardest schedules based on FBI. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. (laughs) And only one of of those teams is marked as an above average team, and it's the Rams. (laughs) Good luck. All right. So here's a good segue. Let's look at FPI from both an offensive and defensive perspective. Joe, without looking at FPI. All right. If you had to name the five best defenses in football. Oh, defenses. Okay. Who you got? Defenses. And I'm going to let you know how many of your five are actually, according to FPI, in the top five. Uh, I will say Steelers. Steelers are third. Um, Bills. Bills are second. Second best defense in the NFL. Buffalo Bills. Broncos. Broncos are sixth. So they are not qualifiers for this. I apologize. The massive disrespect. Baltimore. Uh, the Ravens are eighth, what? so they are also not qualifiers. Uh, 49ers. Patriots. 49- Patriots. 49ers are fifth, and then the Patriots are first. All right, so did I get six guesses there, and I got four of them? You got four of the top six, and each of your six were in the top eight. All right, so which That's one did I miss? Good. Who did I miss in the top five? You missed the number four overall ranked defense, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh, how about that? So that's it. That's really interesting. It's an interesting group. Like you get some names and then seventh, who you didn't mention was the Chicago bears. So those are the eight top defenses in the NFL, which I think generally speaking, 
those are the right teams, right? I think people will be surprised to see the Bucks in there, but that unit played really well right down the stretch last year. I mean, they had great pass rush when Jason Pierre Paul came back and and obviously Shaq Barrett putting up 21 and a half or whatever he finished the year with 20 and a half. And um you know, they're they're bringing everybody back. And you get Devin White in year 2, chance for him to take a big step forward playing behind Vita Vey and, and Dominic Sue is really exciting for the the interior triangle of that defense. Play stout up the middle. They got some potential, man. And if these, uh, they're going to be an interesting case study for the whole secondary versus pass rush debate, right? Because yes. I would rank their pass rush better than their secondary at this point. Well, and that's the opposite for the Patriots, who are decisively number one on this. Now that I have it sorted, yep. which is interesting because they're they're they have like a a significant gap as the number one defense, but they lost a ton. Like everything's back in terms of their secondary, but they don't have Kyle Vanoy. They don't have Jamie Collins. They don't have who's Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton's gone. It's not like they replaced these players. I think that's interesting. Yeah, they, that. uh, they, they really didn't. And even like, even Elandon the other high, high, the hybrid linebacker, Elandon Roberts left too. Yeah. So. <laughs> and Deron Harmon left like, Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I guess mean, they're they're banking on some of that youth behind them stepping up, I guess. Yeah, they'd have to. I mean, I know their secondary is outstanding. I, I I get that, but I mean, like I don't know. I feel like that front seven lost a, a bunch for it to be decisively number one. So that's interesting. And they do have a I mean, they're the way that their secondary is built and the experience those guys have together, you know, it's a good group. Yeah, I guess the your only worry with the Patriots defensively is Father Time, right? I guess. If they if they start to age a little bit, does it slow them down a half step and does the unit regress as a result? I mean, we talked about not replacing a lot of players. They do have some young guys waiting in the wings that haven't had a chance to prove themselves yet, but like they still got Dante Hightower. They still have the McCordy Bros. Uh, they still have Patrick Chung. Uh, their defensive line's like really not spectacular, but every single one of those guys fits perfectly to a T what Belichick wants you to do up front. So I still think schematically, even though they lost impact players, I think they've got enough here, and I think you'll see them evolve how they play defense a little bit, probably get high tower in more frequent pressure roles, right? Uh, he's had some success in the past as a pressure player, but if they if they slow down, I don't know how you counter that. Correct. <laughs> well, I meanwhile, they're one of the ten. They're they're one of the ten worst offenses according to FPI in football. I see this. All right, so the bottom of the offenses: Jaguars, Panthers, Redskins, Bengals, Jets, Dolphins, Bears, Broncos. Lions, Patriots. The top is. I don't know how much I disagree with you. Yeah, for the bottom, I mean the Broncos have a a ceiling there to to be better than that, but it's got to come together. I think think it's interesting. Pittsburgh so so poorly rated. Yeah, that is true. I mean, 
maybe there's some growing pains with Ben coming back to the lineup. So, so Pittsburgh's ranked as the 12th worst offense in football. Yep. They're a below average offense according to FBI. How do you think Cardinals fans feel that they're lower than like the Titans? Uh, probably not too happy. <laughs> yeah, that's weird to me. So the uh, list, I guess, defensively, everything is, there's not a lot of like drastic deviations from the pack. Whereas offensively, your two biggest outliers on both ends of the spectrum come on offense where Jacksonville is far and away projected to be the worst offense in football and the Chiefs like break the scale. They're almost twice as good as the next best offense. Speaking of defenses, I mean, you got two teams, the bottom two defenses, according to FPI, the Raiders and Bengals. Like those teams invested significantly in their defenses. It'd be really disappointing for them to be the bottom two. In my opinion. Especially the Raiders. <laughs> right. Because, you know, Cincinnati, they spent on who'd they bring in? DJ Reader was their big money free agent guy. Yep, DJ Reader. And oh, they, you know, they they brought in uh Trey Waynes and Mac Alexander too, didn't they? They sure did. So yeah, no, you're right. Von Bell as well, they added to this defense. Man. Drafted those drafted um Logan Wilson in the third round, Keem Davis Gaither. Trying to get those linebackers right so they can have one functional one on the roster, right? Just Joe? Hopefully they can get one, you know? Just one of them. <laughs> but I mean, come on now. <laughs> I know the the defense got better last year too as the season went along. Let's see here. Well, I guess that's the that's the thing, right? Somebody has to be last. But if you would have told me somebody was gonna be last. I would have been far more likely to pick Detroit, who's sitting here at four. Jacksonville. I know Not, they got see, some even, edge rushers. I was going to say, Jacksonville's got talent. It's just young talent. Houston. How about, yeah. I, I didn't realize how bad Houston's defense graded out last year. Terrible. Yeah. They were like the so 29th rated defense, I think, yeah. in Dova. They were the 29th rated defense. They gave up like a touchdown, like 24% of the drives that they faced, Jeez, like a touchdown. Man. That's why I was so pissed when the Bills scored 19 points in overtime against those bums. Oh, now yeah. you're using the, the verbiage bums. Yeah, it's a bad unit, man. <laughs> I watched like tape on it. I'm like, this unit sucks. And then, you know. Well, it's because JJ came back. You yeah, couldn't Jesus have possibly Christ expected himself came back and played that game. Yeah. No. Yeah, that was a big difference maker. But then, I mean, we saw <laughs> what was the Chiefs. That's a game we got to talk more about in our lives. The Chiefs, what was it? It was like 28 to nothing or 21 to nothing. The Chiefs were ripping off like 49 unanswered points. Jesus, yeah. man. Pour one out for, <laughs> uh, for, for Houston on that one. <laughs> There's my Texans defense. Yeah, they just showed up a week later than care. you were hoping that they were going to. JJ White gave a new life. Like, what the hell is going on, man? Listen, so, before we go any further, yeah. no, before we go any further, I want to talk to everybody about Built Bar. Built Bar, very close friends of, this, of the podcast. Uh, 
we are proud to be champions of the Built Bar brand. We continue to get feedback from you guys. You know, we, they, you know, Kyle and Joe have been talking these things up. I finally caved and bought a box. And you know what? I'll be damned if not every person that tweets us or slacks us and says that says that they bought a box doesn't end up calling them elite and loves them too. So find out what all the fuss is about. More protein than an average protein bar. One-seventh of grams of carbs and sugars. They eat like candy bars, not like protein bars. They're delicious. We got a slew of new flavors out right now. I know they got uh, pineapple upside-down cake. We got pecan uh, pecan pie. We've got uh, blueberry lemon out right now. Uh, so they just rolled out a new set of flavors, kind of get you into the summer mood. They're all made with real fruit, covered with real 100% dark chocolate. BuiltBar.com. As listeners to the show, you can get $10 off your first box by going to BuiltBar.com and using promo code Locked On. Save yourself $10. So don't just take our word for it. Experience Built Bar for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com. Save $10 off that first box with promo code Locked On. Joe, do we want to talk about some of these record projections and playoff percentages and things of that nature today? We sure do. Okay, let's do let's do division percentage first because I think this is fascinating. All right. Right now, without having stepped onto the field for mini camps, training camps, anything, ESPN's FPI declares the Kansas City Chiefs have an eighty-one percent chance to win the NFC West or AFC West this year. Lock it in. All lock um, it in. Good take. Good take. As we look at the rest of these, you know, Baltimore at 70%, they're generally considered a favorite. The the Saints and 49ers are over 50%. Joe, how about the NFC and AFC Easts? Yeah. Where the Eagles and Cowboys are a combined like 93% of the likelihood to win the NFC East is two teams. 48% for the Cowboys, 45% for the Eagles. And then the Bills and Patriots are each at 41% apiece in the AFC East. Those will be the, I mean, I think that's the hardest divisions to forecast. I mean, maybe the NFC West, because you can see, you know, pretty much any team making a run there. But yeah, I mean, the Giants and Redskins, they're not in the same tier even close as the Cowboys and Eagles. So that makes sense. And I guess like people are down on the jets and, and them being able to continue their hot finish and Miami still, you know, a lot of pieces to put together there. And it looks like it's a bills Patriots thing for the AFC East. And it's weird, but I, I get it. What else stands out to you for divisions? Yeah. I mean, I, I continue to go back to the NFC North where the favorites is the Vikings. 38%. Yeah. And the Packers 27.4, the Bears 25.7. So I think two things stand out to me. Number one, that the Vikings are are fairly in the lead there. You know, it's it's the belief that they have the highest chances of winning that division, but I feel like there's a lot of love for the Bears. I think they're firmly the third team in this division. Well, I think the biggest thing for the North here is 
FPI's betting on a massive regression for Green Bay. Yeah. Like their projected win loss totals eight and eight. Yeah. Thirteen and three. So Minnesota's projected at, you know, if you're rounding up projected at nine and seven. And Joe, we talked about this a little bit beforehand. Because it's out of ten thousand simulations, you're not gonna get the team that ends up finishing the year at 14 and two, right? Because it's, it's averaged out over 10,000 simulations. So I wouldn't necessarily take the win loss projections is like the word of God, but at the same time, you know, there's a tier here of teams that are seen as super elite. The chiefs, Ravens, saints, and 49ers all won 10 plus games average over 10,000 simulations. Minnesota's like in the next bucket. And they're the only team in the North that's in the next bucket. And some of the other teams that are in that bucket with them, Bills, Patriots, Colts, Titans, Buccaneers. I just don't think Minnesota, like if you told me that was where the best team in the North was going to be for the NFC North, I wouldn't believe you. How about um, when you go to the win Super Bowl percentage? The Chiefs, number one, the Ravens, number two, the Saints, number three. The fourth highest odds for winning the Super Bowl next year is the Francisco 49ers. Kyle, can you tell me the last time a team lost the Super Bowl one year and came back the very next year and won it? I know this has happened before. Yep, it's happened twice. I know the first time it happened was the Dolphins in Super Bowl six and Super Bowl seven. It was the second time it happened. The first time it happened was the year before the Dallas Cowboys. No shit. Then the the last team to do it was the Miami Dolphins in nineteen seventy. No shit. That's a great yeah. stat. I didn't realize that. Who was I yeah. thinking of? I'm not sure. The Dolph the Cowboys did it in seventy one after losing in seventy, and then the, the same thing happened. So two years in a row you had that result. In yeah. fact, the last the last team that lost the Super Bowl and made it back the next season, do you know who that was? Was that the Broncos? Nope. It was the Bills, and they did it three times. In oh, a row. right, right, right. <laughs> and the and the Eagles got real close to doing that, but they sure. kept losing in the NFC Championship game instead of the Super Bowl. Yep. So yeah, that it's not it's a pretty rare thing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it it doesn't happen that often. I guess really five times ever in the history of Super Bowl losers have they went back to the Super Bowl and won it and they're two and three in those games. So, well, I guess look, 11.5% chance. I mean, that's right on target. That's right around the number of Super Bowls that have been played. Yeah. Yeah. 54 of them or something. Yeah. It's been 54 Super Bowls. So five times it's happened. Okay. All right. I see where they got this. Yeah. Not that crazy. Yeah. They didn't even run any numbers on that. They just did the math. Right. Yeah. Just, (laughs) Um, how about there's only four teams that have a greater than 5% chance to win the Super Bowl this year. What's normal on this at this time of year, though? I wish I could tell you, but this feels like a very narrow market to own a very large percentage of the share. So 
The Chiefs, Ravens, Saints, and 49ers, according to FBI, have a 62% chance. There's a 62% chance the Super Bowl winner is one of those four teams this year. Kyle, they're giving four teams zero chance to win the Super Bowl. They, it can't happen. It's yeah. impossible, according to the FBI. Yep. Jaguars, Panthers, Redskins, Bengals, you have no chance. Zero Don't even chance show up for the year. <laughs> and then, the and then you've got another three. Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Or point one. <laughs> so, and the right. Jets and Cardinals at point three. I mean, you've got 10 teams with like less than a half of a percent chance of doing this. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there are nine teams that are combined to own less than 1% odds to win the Super Bowl between them combined. Magical. Parody in football, though, they say. Parody in football is that. Listen, we see worst to first pretty regularly. Maybe not winning a championship, but. Which uh, which of these win loss records do you think is furthest off base? All right, let me uh, let me sort it by projected win loss records. Let's see what we got here. Whew. They they don't go anything super aggressive, right? Because it's averaged out, right? Like so, I don't see anything that's like overly like wow. Um. Because what am I going to gripe about them having like the Cardinals at seven wins or like the Vikings at nine? I mean, a giant, the, the Redskins projected six wins seems aggressive based on what we, what we went through yesterday to find right. the, find the win or the giant uh, was it the giants. Yeah. They have them both at six wins. They might not combine for six wins. I think the, uh, they're a little harsh on Tampa. It feels like. Yeah. They're down on Tampa for sure. Um, Nine and seven is their projected record. Right. 10,000 simulations. And their 30% chance to win the division compared to 58% for the saints. Right. Like they're calling it a lock effectively. Yeah. Not a lock, but you, the saints are twice as likely to win the division as the bucks are. Yeah. It's, it's not really viewed as close. Like I think most people do. I'm surprised San Francisco blows Seattle out of the water too. San Francisco did a good job. I'm writing about that today for the draft network. I think they did a pretty good job of not losing much from that team, which was interesting because we thought that it would be difficult um, with their salary cap situation, but I'm being able to move, move Buckner and was big for them in terms of their, their cap Uh, brought back Jimmy Ward, which I think is going to be a big deal. Joe Staley retires. They sign Trent Williams. I mean, for the most part, they're really bringing, bringing a lot back. And Jimmy Garoppolo, for all that we say about him, like he had a great year last year and it was his first year as a starter. Like he feels like he's been around for a long time because he's going to turn 29 this year. But that dude has not played. Right, he's like 20, that much he's got tw- 20 career starts or something like that. 21, 26. 22, 26 yeah. career starts in his teams are 21 and five when he starts. 49ers with Garoppolo, 19 and 5. Without Garoppolo, 4 and 20. <laughs> I mean, he's he's still an ascending player that's we're still trying to figure out who he is in the NFL. 
And his first year as a full starter, he was really good. Right. So they got a young, a lot of young players like Emmanuel Mosley, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner. Those guys are going to get better too. Nick Bosa, year two. And that what's crazy for San Francisco is they're already paying a quarterback. Yeah. That's a good point. Like that is such a that's such a hurdle for teams because you have to reshuffle so much of the deck. Now, granted, when it comes time to like pay Nick Bosa and like mm-hmm. even Fred Fred Warner's gonna get paid. So like they'll they'll have guys to pay. But for them to already be able to take in stride and say, well, we got a quarterback contract on the books that's you know, strong money. It's it's starting quarterback money. And and it was not like a cheap deal. You know, they're, they're not playing Jimmy Garoppolo on a bargain contract. Right. I think that that's something that we should maybe not overlook as we try to forecast, you know, how this team pivots and extends their winning window. Right. Kittle's not being paid yet either. Is he? No, he's not. Okay. So, but the good news is the, the, Tight end contracts are super cheap compared to a lot of other uh, a lot of other positions. So I'm I'm gonna pull this up right now because I remember we looked at this for like the tenders and stuff. The tender for a tight end is like ten million dollars. Yeah. Kittle's gonna want more than that, but yeah, I get well, it. Well, yeah, he's, he'll he'll get more than that too, but uh annual average salary, tight end position. No, that's I said the tight end position, not all positions. Thank you, Spot Track. What do you think the number one annual average salary is for the tight end position right now? Player wise, yeah, or player and what his and what player and and dollar amount annual average salary for his contract. What is it, Kelsey at thirteen? Kelsey's getting nine point three million. So Hooper. Hooper's at 10.5. Hunter Henry, who's on the franchise tag, is 10.6, and he's number one. All right, so there you go. So you could literally pay George Kittle a market-setting contract and pay him $11 million, right? And that is equivalent to paying the number 18, I'm sorry, number 20 wide receiver in the NFL, Tyrell Williams. Pretty crazy. Okay. When you look at, well, look at the positional spending for the the 49ers. They're 31st in tight end and 29th in receiver. They're not paying any of these weapons. No, they're not. They got a bunch of young guys. Yeah. So they're, that's where their economy is. You Linebackers are. You know who the most expensive wide receiver dollars wise is on the 49ers roster? Um, I'm guessing it's. It might be Ayuk. If he hasn't signed yet, but uh, he might he not have signed, signed yet. yet. I don't know if he has. He hasn't signed yet. He no, might not. I don't be. think he's signed yet. Yeah. So Travis he's, Benjamin? He's not I on here no for idea. annual average salary. Kendrick Bourne. So he hasn't signed. Oh, God. 3.2 million, the 51st, 51st most expensive wide receiver <laughs> in football for San Francisco. Yeah, that'll change. Or they There's a l- just keep, I mean, Right, just keep churning it over, right? 
we got Debo and, and Ayuk for the next three, four years. Okay, you know, we're going to let these other guys walk and we'll pay George Kittle and, you know, wide receivers, we're going to pay you pennies on the dollar, man. Well, and especially if they things like with the, what they did with DeForest Buckner, they enjoyed great production, but when it came to pay, pay him like $20 million a season, they said, we'll take somebody's first-round nah. pick, you can pay him, and we'll get a, you know, we'll get a player we think is similar that's uh, going to be, uh, you know, an eighth of the cost. Yeah. Man, this is why the this is why the offseason for me is so much fun. Because you really get a chance to breathe and, and look over what teams are doing and how they're approaching team building and how they're circumventing like the wall that inevitably comes with the cap and stuff like that. And like this has been really fun to dig into San Francisco here over the last five minutes and talk about, you know, how this team can avoid the Super Bowl hangover. And I'm sure we've helped you in your cause for writing your content, you little bastard. <laughs> well, in my defense, I wrote about half of it yesterday, so. Oh, okay. So you you came to the table prepared to have this conversation, not not knowing if it was going to happen or not. Right. I was ready for it no matter what, because I had those. When, when we started getting into the Super Bowl odds and I saw where San Francisco was, I thought it'd be a good time to dump some of those stats and then. The next thing you know, you and I are having different conversations uh, about the 49ers this year at this time <laughs> compared to last year. Yeah, yeah, very different tone for San Francisco. So I, I hope the fans stuck with us and didn't just abolish draft dudes. If we got Jets fans, we got Niners fans. Yeah, that's a good point. We might have lost all the Texans fans, though. There was none to lose to begin with. <laughs> you know, we we keep track of like, all the fans that we see in the TDM premium slack as like the fans are talking. I still don't think we've seen a single Texans fan in there. (laughs) Come be the first. (laughs) There's like, there's like hordes of certain fan bases. Green Bay's got a good, uh, is repped. Well, the dolphins are repped really well. Um, but I have not seen a single Houston Texans fan in TDM premium slack. Sign up. Sign up today. We're done here, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've uh, exhausted. You can go to ESPN.com backslash NFL backslash FPI and check this out for yourself. Uh, There's some pretty cool stats in here. Lots of information to dig through. Uh, We kind of just did a surface level glaze and and looked at, you know, where where they covet the teams. what the projections are for the divisions and the Super Bowl, uh, but there's more to get into than that as well. So swing over to ESPN, check that out. It's, it's definitely worth your time. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. We will be back tomorrow, so hit subscribe and come back and see us then.